Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Golden State Warriors are doing what the Golden State Warriors do. They go to the NBA Finals for the sixth time in eight years. And it's hard to imagine anybody beating him. By anybody, I mean the Boston Celtics. It's Chris Carlin and Chris Canty in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus, also on your smart speaker and on SiriusXM Channel 80. Hit us up. On Twitter, at Chris Carlin, at Chris Canty 99 We are presented by Progressive Insurance. What a job by the Warriors last night in moving into the finals, and they left no doubt about it. And that, that to me, is what is really most impressive about what they're doing right now, Chris. Yes, it threw me off last series when they absolutely got their doors blown off by the Memphis Grizzlies in what I thought was a pretty important game, but they have regained it here. They, you know, they went up three games to none. They lost a game, but at that point, you're not putting this series in any kind of question. When you lose a game and you go on the road and you're up two games to none and it goes to 2 1, that brings it a little bit more into question. The 3 nothing win, all that does is avoid the sweep. The Warriors then took advantage. They now get a full week off before the NBA Finals start, and they just are are so impressive with what they have been able to do in the third different iteration of this team over the last eight years, pre-Durant, during Durant, and now post-Durant. Carlin, this team smells blood. They they know they're close, and you're talking about them finishing off the Mavs in in Game 5 of this series – another gentleman sweep that's their second this postseason, and you just know that this is a team that understands where they're at and they understand the potential or what they're on the precipice of, which is being able to win another Larry O'Brien trophy. So this group is not going to take these opportunities for granted. And last night, the urgency that they started the game with, jumping out to a 9-2 lead, it reflected the fact that they're aware of of what they're on the verge of doing. And so it was impressive to watch how they dispatched of the Dallas Mavs last night. The Mavs never really had a chance. You could tell after the first quarter, even though it was only a single-digit lead, you could tell that the Mavs had no shot at being able to win that game. And then when Klay Thompson caught fire in the second quarter, that was all she wrote. It didn't matter what Luka Doncic or Spencer did what he tried to do in the second half. It just wasn't going to be enough. So very impressive that the Golden State Warriors learned their lesson from the series previously with the Memphis Grizzlies. Let's go ahead and take care of our business, take these guys out now so we can get as much rest as we possibly can leading into the NBA Finals, which kick off on June 2nd. How aware are they of what they're about to do? Here's Steph Curry reflecting on this incredible run that they're on. It is just a, a moment to reflect everything Draymond just said, but a moment to just reflect on what it took to get back here. The fact me... Clay Draymond from 2015 to now, you know, six out of eight years having a chance to compete for, you know, a championship. The feeling leaving 2019 finals and realizing, like, you know, we had been on an amazing journey and got hit with a lot of adversity and some speed bumps, but never lost the faith that we could get back here. So it's it's a fine line of just, again, reflecting and celebrating this moment for sure. And here they are 
with a chance at another NBA championship. And Chris, if they do it, and I, I fully believe that they will, they're they're going to beat the Celtics in the finals. This is, to me, going to be the most impressive of the group. And, and that's saying something when they beat LeBron the first time around, the championships they won with Durant, they're going to be going up against one of the most elite defensive teams that we have ever seen. And certainly a better defensive team than they have seen during this eight-year period in trying to win a championship. And ultimately, that's what's going to make this the most impressive of all for me. I'm not willing to say that it's going to be the most impressive for Golden State. Now, I'll agree with you that this is going to be the best defensive team that they're going to face once they get to the NBA Finals. I mean, by the numbers, it bears it out. Like, this is going to be by far the best defensive team. To me, the most impressive championship that Golden State has won with Steph Clay and Draymond as the core was the 2014-2015 chip when they had guys like Andre Iguodala and Harrison Barnes and Leandro Barbosa and Andrew Bogut. That, to me, is the most impressive championship because they beat the LeBron James-led Cavs when they had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. The fact that LeBron had won a couple of championships in Miami, they were able to take those guys out. To me, that will be the most impressive because that was their first one. And, Carlin, take it from anybody that's ever won a championship, the hardest one to get is the first one because you don't know whether or not you can do it. And But once you do it, you have the confidence that you can get back to that stage and repeat. So I would say that that's the most impressive. But I do think this potential championship run has the chance to be the most impressive individual run for Steph Curry. Because, Carlin, we still are talking about a guy that doesn't have a finals MVP in the trophy case. We are talking about the greatest shooter of all time, somebody that has revolutionized the game, but somebody that is on the outside looking in when you start talking about the top ten players of all time. He's knocking at the door. If he's able to finish the drill – and win the NBA Finals and get Finals MVP, I think Steph Curry's legacy takes a huge jump. He's now in the top ten greatest players of all time. And as far as how we perceive him when it comes to the pantheon of the greatest players ever, there's going to be more Steph Curry talk along with the likes of LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, so on and so forth. So I think Steph Curry has a chance to insert himself in that conversation because right now I don't think – that he's quite there yet. Look, I, I I get that. I have him in the top 10, and I know why people want him to be a finals MVP. I don't know that it's necessary at this point. It, it, I really don't, because he's done everything else. He's done everything else that there is to do. I would be surprised if they won a championship and he wasn't finals MVP, unless... Unless you have a situation like you had when Andre Iguodala won it and you find, you know, Wiggins has a ridiculous series on both mm-hmm. ends of the floor. Which is not outside the realm of possibility. No, it's Which not. It, it's not. But I would be surprised if they won a title this time around and he wasn't. My my only thing is this, okay? We can talk about LeBron and Kyrie and beating them and how great that was. But as far as the individual talent, I would agree that's probably a better, not probably, that is a better team that they would have beaten. But when you're trying to get through this kind of defensive team, that speaks to the eliteness of what you do and what they do better than anybody perhaps I've ever seen 
is pass the basketball, is move the basketball, Chris. You you made a great point earlier about how much uh, the 36 assists on, what was it, 45, 46 makes last night? 45 makes, yep. Yeah. I mean, that, that's absurd. Nobody yeah. moves it better, crisper, faster, in more impressive fashion than Golden State. And how, how is that going to hold up against what is an elite defensive team? And then there is, of course, the matter, I guess, it's more of a, what's the word I would say right now? More of a, I, I just, just an assumption on my part, I guess it's a technicality that you would have to see the Celtics beat the Heat tonight, but that's going to happen mm-hmm. because all along, if you've been paying attention, the, none of this should be any surprise to you because if the Celtics lose a game in this series, it's truly the Celtics losing a game as opposed to the Heat winning a game. The Heat do the right things and take advantage of Celtics' mistakes but when the Celtics don't make mistakes at the at the twenty four turnover level, you don't have a chance. No, they don't, and and that's the thing that we've seen from Boston, not just in this series against Miami, but throughout the playoffs. Like they they they're their own worst enemy when it comes to you know undermining their chances of being able to win games. They they make too many mistakes in in their poor performances that allow them to have a chance that don't allow them to have a chance at the end of the game to be able to. Uh, to, to, to win. And so I think that's the biggest thing that you have to watch in this game. But here's what I'll say, Carlin. The Boston Celtics have been phenomenal after losses. They're 13-3 and three after losses since the calendar hit 2022. So, I mean, even if you're talking about the Miami Heat being able to extend this to a Game 7, the likelihood that Boston would drop the next two, it's, it's, it's not great. So I just I don't, I don't see a world where Boston – doesn't get to the NBA Finals. Could Miami show us something and make it a game and potentially win it at the end? I guess they could, but with the version of Jimmy Butler that we're getting right now, I would say that that's highly unlikely. So I fully anticipate that the Seas are going to close it out at TD Garden tonight and start their preparation for the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors this weekend. You didn't get a chance yesterday to take your bows because you've been so right on this. We've been so right on this. Really, me me more so than you because I said six. But... Take your bows, honestly, because you deserve it. And and I don't like to be the guy that wants to shove it in people's faces, but frankly, Miami, you deserve it. You deserve to get it a little bit stuck in your face with how you have responded to this this past week. You guys elevated this into a war. We didn't. Fair? Would you say that? No, it's fair, Carlin. We we said what was going to happen in this series. We said what was going to happen, and we understood what happened in game one. I think there was an overreaction by Miami Heat fans after what they saw in game one, in particular that third quarter where Miami outscored the Celtics 39-14. to mm-hmm. Everybody was saying, oh, man, Miami turns it on. There's nothing Boston can do. Completely glossed over the fact that there was no Marcus Smart in that game. Completely glossed over the fact that that was the third game for the Boston Celtics over the last five days and in three different cities. Did not, pay, did not pay any attention to that at all in terms of them running out of gas in the second half of game one. But as we've gone through this series, to me, there's no question that you see which team is the more talented of the two. Now, I will say this, Miami, from an effort standpoint, has been the more consistent of the two teams. Mm. But I'm just simply saying that we already knew this was going to happen. It's not a surprise that we're here for us. 
but it is a surprise to Miami Heat fans, and I'm not sure why it is because we told you it was going to happen. Well, what we know is that trying matters, and they will be remembered as one of the all-time great trying teams in history, or they'll simply be forgotten, which is a lot more likely. NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. If you are holding out hope, this is your place to find it tonight. Tune in. Game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, Celtics Heat, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Up next, we ask one of our experts just how right we are, and we will find out if anybody can beat the Golden State Warriors. It's on the way in moments. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For more perspective on this, we welcome in Anscape senior NBA writer Mark Spears, who joins Chris Carlin, Chris Canty for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Mark, we appreciate it. How you doing? Oh, man, just uh, enjoying a beautiful day in the Bay. <laughs> yeah, there are worse places to be. And with the Warriors right now, we have spent a lot of time this morning talking about the impressive achievement that it is to get to six NBA finals over an eight-year period with a couple of different iterations of this team. What stands out to you about this achievement? Well, it's the, it's the three main guys, you know, Draymond, Clay, Steph. Uh, they're they're the main part of the fabric of that. Obviously, Iguodala and Looney have been a big part of the ride. But no matter who you have in there, whether it's you know Wiggins or Harrison Barnes or Kevin Durant, you know those three guys are are the you know the the, the thread to it, and they become uh, kind of like what I remember with the Spurs, where you saw David Robinson, you know, pass the torch. Uh, to Tim Duncan, who passed the torch to Manage Nobly, and, you know, Tony Parker, and then for the end of it, Kawhi Leonard. And when you look at these young guys that the Warriors have, right, you know, uh, Poole, Moody, um, I, I do think that Wiseman is going to come back in the same way that Embiid did when Embiid was out. You know, Kaminga, like, they got some talent for the future, too. So uh, I, I don't think this is the last hurrah. I don't think the window is closing. Um, and as, if their main three could stay healthy, I think they can make a run at the finals for several years to come. Mark, one of the understated parts of what we're seeing with Golden State right now is how ownership in the front office decided to make a commitment to Steph, Clay, and Draymond and keep this core of players together even though the three of them have dealt with major injuries over the course of the last three years. And you're talking about over the last two seasons, 
a team that had 83 losses and was on the outside looking into the playoffs. So how much credit do Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and ownership for the Warriors deserve when we start talking about this iteration of Golden State making it back to the NBA Finals? I mean, well, the Warriors fans would have burned down Chase Center if they would have <laughs> traded one of those guys, man. Uh, they are super popular. And um, I think that they realized, too, um, that, you know, you had the pandemic years and um, you also, those guys, I think they needed some rest. If you look at the games they played in the postseason, um, they've played like a whole extra season from the postseason. So perhaps that time off, even though there was pain involved in all of it for all, for all three of them, at least rested their legs, gave them a breather. I, I always remember Chauncey Billups telling me like when they lost to Cleveland in 2007, he's like, man, that Pistons team, we were just tired, man. We just, we just ran out of gas. And I, I kind of saw it with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. They were running out of gas. So I, I think the last two years has given them an opportunity to actually catch their breath a little bit and maybe give them an extra boost for the future. It is Mark Spears joining us, Anscape Senior NBA writer. And I know you've been on the Warriors series here, but in watching what's gone on, in the Eastern Conference Finals, can you paint the picture for the Miami Heat to find their way through this at least to a Game 7? Well, I I covered the Boston Celtics when they last won it. And I I don't think there is a more intimidating place to play, especially in this moment, in in an elimination moment than Boston. The crowd is crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. You got uh, Aztec, Geno. You got all these different crazy Mardi Gras Halloween characters in the stands. They talk more trash than anybody. And they're going to be in that venue 20 minutes before the game start talking about let's go Celtics. There is no fan base that smells blood better than Celtics fans. And so you're going to have that. Um, You're going to have a a great Celtics team who's got the momentum. Like, this is the roughest of the roughest for the Miami Heat right now. Uh, They're not even going to have to have a great game. They're going to have to brave the environment that's going to give the Celtics a boost. And, you know, every time those guys walk into that venue, they see those banners, man. They see those banners. They get reminded about why they're there. So, man, it it's going to be an extremely rough environment for Miami. I don't, I don't know if they could get through it uh, with the Celtics' momentum and, and the crowd boost and all that. So, um, my expectation is that it probably ends tonight um, and that we'll see a Warriors-Celtics uh, final, which certainly – uh, with the Celtics lore and the, and the Warriors growing lore will be very, very intriguing. Talking with Anscape senior NBA writer Mark Spears on Greeny. And Mark, one of the guys this postseason who has changed his perception around NBA circles and around households across America is Jason Tatum. He just got voted to 
uh, first-team yeah. All-NBA, his second time making an All-NBA team. And looking at the run that Tatum has been on and what Steph Curry has done this postseason, who does a title run um, uh, mean more in terms of enhancing their overall legacy? Is it Steph or is it Jason Tatum? Well, I mean, I, I think it's Tatum because it's his first. We, I like Steph's good. He wants the uh, most valuable player award in the finals. That That's mm-hmm. the only thing that he's missing. Um, but for Tatum, you know, the Celtics haven't won a championship in, in, in 14 years. Uh, they want to pass the Lakers uh, in titles. This makes you a legend in Boston. This gets you a jersey retired in Boston. So I think this is um, tonight is his moment to have a signature moment to get the franchise to the finals. And then if you're able to beat the Warriors, I mean, like, he'll never have to pay for any chowder. He'll never have to pay <laughs> for a beer and cheers. Like, he's good, man. Like, he, 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 he's definitely good in Boston if he could uh, he could get this. Um, he He's, uh, you know, they've been had some storied small forwards in a franchise's history. And um, this is his chance. And I think the big thing is Yudoka, the first-year coach, has basically challenged him to be a bigger superstar and not, you know, cower to the other greats in the in the league. Like, yo, you're top five, bro. Be top five. Be legendary. And so I, I've seen a bigger killer instinct in his game, not, not so much cool or calm, just more of a, even almost kind of like a KD kind of mentality um, while he's playing. This is this is the best of Jason Tatum, and um, I'm sure right now uh, the Warriors are already, you know, kind of um, mapping together how they defend him, um, which maybe having just guarded Luka could help a little bit, but in Boston's case, they have a much greater uh, supporting cast. But what the Warriors are hoping for, surely, is that the Celtics, you know, drop this one, go to seven games, get less rest, um, because one of their biggest problems is staying healthy. And that's, that's my biggest worry about the Celtics right now is, is, you know, Marcus Smart, Williams, just their overall health. And uh, it behooves them, especially after the Warriors just ended their series. And, you know, they're, they're probably going, you know, be relaxing with their feet up watching the game to get this over with so they could be well-rested going into game one, too. Mark, I want to follow up on something you said because you did mention that Steph Curry, the only thing missing out of the trophy case is a finals MVP. If he were able to win this finals and get that finals MVP, where does that put him when we look at the pantheon of the greatest players that has ever played this game? Oh man, he's he. I mean, he's there already, but it's a different level. That's where you're st- standing there next to you know Jordan and Magic and Kareem and Russell. You're like you know LeBron. You're 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 up there with them. I mean, he already has three. Um, this would be four. Fill the trophy case with the only thing missing. I think they kind of teased him last night, like, yeah, you got your MVP trophy, man. You got <laughs> the West one. Um, and so uh, he he hasn't had a phenomenal finals, I think, in his, his career. He's had good finals, but I think it also helps him to have that signature finals as well. 
And uh, whether it's Boston or Miami, you know, it certainly isn't going to be an easy task. And then keep in mind, man, like to have a four and two record in the finals, just to be there six times and win four of them, that's pretty darn good, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, he's, um, I don't know if he'd ever get respect in a GOAT way. I do think it because he's smaller and not the athlete those other guys are, but in terms of a winner, in terms of the greatest shooter ever, yeah, I think I mean I think he's there already, but this is this this puts him in that, you know, that what did Meek Mill say? There's levels, right? Mm-hmm. This puts him to a different level if he could win the championship and get MVP. Mark Spears, Anscape senior NBA writer, awesome stuff, man. Appreciate the time. All right, y'all take care now. Greeny, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We talked about this a little bit last hour. It is very difficult to understand why Lamar Jackson is not signing a contract extension right now. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Let's hear from Mike Tannenbaum this morning, ESPN's NFL front office insider. He was on Get Up and was asked what he expects to happen with Lamar and the Ravens. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I simply walk in and say, hey, Deshaun Watson got $230 million. The good news for you, Mr. Bashadi, is I'm not going to ask for five cents more, but guess what? I'm not taking five cents less. No. I've been in league MVP. I've been impeccable off the field. That's the bill. If you don't want to pay it, somebody else will. And here's another interesting nuance, screening, which is this. Look for a hold in, not a hold out, meaning I think Lamar would show up. But when they go out for their first competitive drill in practice, as Lewis Riddick alluded to yesterday, I would be floored if he would go out there. You know, we saw that with Jalen Ramsey, his back yeah. tightened up. So there's really many tentacles to this story yet to unfold. Is it as simple as that at this point, Chris, that we saw Deshaun Watson get 230 guaranteed that this is exactly what Lamar's going to do? No, I I don't think it's that simple, Carlin. And I got to refute a couple of things that Mike Tannenbaum said. First and foremost, no shot that Lamar Jackson doesn't play this year, even if he doesn't have a new contract from the Ravens. He's not going to hold in. He's going to go out there and play. Now, we recognize that OTAs are voluntary, and so players don't have to be there. Now, this is unusual because Lamar Jackson, since he was drafted in 2018, has participated in pretty much all the OTAs leading up to minicamp. But it's not 
unusual for more veteran players to decide to skip minicamp and extend their offseason. The other thing that we have to factor in, too, is the physical toll that the regular season, the expanded regular season, takes on a player like Lamar Jackson. So I got to throw, I got to dispel that notion off the top. Lamar Jackson is going to play. The second thing is this. You can say that another team is willing to pay you $46 million a year like Deshaun Watson got, but if the team controls your rights in effect for another two years with the fifth-year option and the franchise tag, another team can't pay you. So while you have the option of withholding services, I don't necessarily think that Lamar Jackson is built like that where he's going to disappoint his teammates and let the organization down. Listen, for me, I I get what he wants to do here, but – it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to keep pushing the envelope when you are the mobile quarterback that he is, and at any moment it could turn sideways on you. There are examples of having it not go your way, and there's RG3. You always have to think about the other side, and I'm always siding with being safer rather than sorry. Previously on Greeny. You do you, boo. That's it, huh? (laughs) That is your weekly rewind brought to you by Dell for small business needs. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. I got to tell you, I did not expect that one little saying that I said the other day to really turn the show on its ear as it did at that moment. You know what? Here's the thing. The saying is not awkward in and of itself. It's just the actual messenger. You yeah, using me that saying. phrase just just takes it to a whole different realm. And it makes everybody that's on the show unit highly uncomfortable. So I Look, think that's really what happened, and that's why we made a bit of it. You Listen, do you, boo. These are the ABCs of me. Very uncomfortable hearing that. I'm, I, I'm eclectic. I, I'm going to be me. And everybody else just has to adapt to that. Yeah, but the phrase doesn't sound like it's you being you. It doesn't sound like you say you be you, boo, in your everyday life. It doesn't sound like that's something that's in your your vocabulary. When I sit there and say we we thorough out here in the borough, does that sound like me? Uh, No. No, not at all. Exactly. But get used to it. Because these are the kind of things that you have signed up for, to be uncomfortable with my stupidity. Okay, so I have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Exactly. Exactly. Great. Like Tom Coughlin would want you comfortable in chaos. I'm throwing a whole lot of chaos your way. Got it. Got (laughs) it. Okay. As long as you don't ask me to be there five minutes early, I think I can deal with it. (laughs) It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio in for Greeny. So there's been a lot of talk here the last few days regarding Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. So we've seen a couple of different things. Let's set this up. First of all, we have seen that the Nets reportedly, according to Ian Begley of SNY in New York, are willing to discuss some sign-and-trade scenarios with Kyrie Irving and other teams. Then we, of course, last week had the comments from Sean Marks basically saying we need Kyrie to be all-in, and this has not been an all-in situation so far with him. There were some pretty tough comments in that uh, press conference that Sean Marks, the Nets GM, made last week. And this morning, you heard Jay Will on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max talk about KD and his communication with the Nets because that was 
brought into question yesterday in an article in the New York Daily News that KD has not spoken to the Nets since the season ended. And Jay Will said this morning that Rich Kleiman, who knows KD as well as anybody, who is his business partner on a, on a few different ventures, um, said, hey, uh, you know, basically has talked to um, the Nets every day. So there is communication going on. That's what Jay Will said this morning. You know, Chris, I was talking about the, the lack of communication yesterday and asking around from different people that would know in, in the mix here. I was surprised to learn KD did not know in advance what the Nets were going to say about Kyrie Irving last week. Mm. That's surprising to me because when you have a franchise player like KD and you're going to make that kind of statement about the guy that he has backed up in every instance over the last few years since they both come to Brooklyn and in some pretty tough circumstances, you would think that he would know in advance what they were going to say when it was going to make some headlines, but he apparently did not. Oh, well, no doubt. I mean, this is year three of the KD, Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets, and Josiah and Sean Marks, Josiah the owner, that being, and Sean Marks, their general manager, in effect turned over control of the organization to those two guys when they signed them in free agency a few years ago. And that included being able to oust then head coach Kenny Atkinson and replace him with KD's guy Steve Nash and make a whole lot of other roster decisions and mortgage over a whole lot of draft picks in order to bring James Harden from Houston. At every step of this, you've seen the fingerprints of KD and Kyrie, but now it feels like there's a shift happening with the organization. And Carlin, you talked about the information, the little nugget that you were able to glean, the report also that came out yesterday and saying that KD had no communication with the Brooklyn Nets. I'm just starting to connect the dots and try to read the tea leaves. Who do all of these reports serve yep. moving forward? They serve Kevin Durant. Yep. Because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been a package deal the last three years. But if you're putting out reports that KD hasn't been in communication with the organization and then KD didn't know that Sean Marks was going to draw a line in the sand when it came to dealing with Kyrie Irving and mention him by name in a press conference, then KD has plausible deniability moving forward for anything that the organization does with regard to what happens with Kyrie. And so I think this is, you know, KD's camp's way or the Brooklyn Nets way of protecting Kevin Durant and making sure that he can keep his relationship, his friendship with Kyrie Irving intact, even though from a basketball standpoint, what might be in KD's best interest is the Brooklyn Nets moving on from Kyrie. Be careful here. This is the point. This could really start to get very interesting with the Nets this offseason, perhaps sooner than we expected. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Tune in to an NL Central battle tomorrow. Cardinals hosting the Brewers, presented by Progressive Insurance. Coverage begins 1.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Nestor Cortez is the best pitcher in baseball that you have not heard of. And in New York, they have certainly heard of Nestor Cortez because for the Yankees, the guy has been nothing short of a godsend. He has an ERA of 1.7 as a starter. He was phenomenal last year when they moved him into that role. And Chris, now we're getting to the point where it's not just a one-hit wonder for Nestor Cortez. He has become an incredibly important part of the Yankee rotation. Eight terrific innings yesterday in the Yankees winning the first game of an incredibly important series this early in the year with the Tampa Rays. 
Yeah, I mean, it's their first meeting with the Tampa Bay Rays, and you're talking about the Yankees squaring off against the Rays seven more no, wait, uh, seven more times. Seven more times. Seven more times over the next 25 games. So, I mean, that, that's this is a big stretch for the Yankees, and so to get it kicked off at a good start, I think that was that was huge for Nestor Cortez to do. Um, but in looking at the situation, Carlin, I, I think Nestor Cortez has proven that he deserves – uh, to be a guy that you can count on at the top of your rotation. And he's a guy that when the Yankees make the playoffs, can start a playoff game for you and you feel comfortable with him pitching five or six innings. I think that's the rare air that he's put himself in right now. I mean, he's right up there. He's been the best pitcher on the Yankee staff. When you start talking about the rotation, he yep. has been the best pitcher. I know you're paying Garrett Cole through the nose, $324 million contract. Nestor Cortez has been better than Garrett Cole. You look at last night's game, he took that game into the ninth inning, scoreless baseball. He only allowed four hits. You're talking about the second, third, fourth, and fifth innings being three up, three down. The sixth inning essentially was three up, three down because you got the double play ball on Diaz after the error on at first base um, that allowed a base runner. But I, I just I look at how he goes about his business, Carlin, and it's not overwhelming stuff. He's not going to you know, throw a triple digits past the guy with his fastball, but he locates it well. He knows how to pitch, and that's something that plays well when you get to postseason baseball. He's a crafty, crafty pitcher. and so He's got that look, about, Chris. He's unassuming, and that's why you don't expect him to be this guy. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Carlin, but here's the thing. This guy can navigate a lineup a couple of times through the order, and you have confidence that he can do it. And last night, he was operating with a lot of efficiency. Now, he did pitch to a career-high 109 pitches, but it didn't look like he was struggling or laboring at any point in last night's performance until we got into the ninth inning. So I, I just feel like as a Yankees fan, this is a guy that I'm going to be able to depend on. This is a guy that I have confidence in. We all know that confidence comes from demonstrated performance. Nestor Cortez has demonstrated that he's a top-line pitcher for the Yankees. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. And then then there's something that we have to discuss. And I was... I was genuinely concerned for you yesterday because, as in case people don't know, Chris is getting married at the end of the summer. We're very excited for him, as, as you would be. It's a monumental occasion for everybody. So naturally, he and his fiance are going through all of the planning stages. And at this point, only a couple of months away, it's really finalizing a lot of the wedding planning. Yes. So yesterday, Chris was out of town where the wedding's going to be to finalize some of these details. And so I guess I guess what I would ask you is this. Were you a little bit out of your element? Is that fair to say? I don't think there's any question that I was out of my element, Carlin. And, and here's the thing, man. I, You know, I, I'm all about being engaged in the process and being there to plan the big day, the celebration of my love with my beautiful fiancé, Melanie, and, you know, I'm all fired up about it. You know, we're doing it in her hometown of Chicago. So it's really, really an exciting time for us. Mm-hmm. But that was after the first hour of design planning, Carlin. It continued to go for four more hours. There's a design I, team involved there here, There is correct? a design team. Shout out to <laughs> HMR Designs. They do a fantastic job. They're doing our wedding. Um, we appreciate them looking out. But, Carlin, you're talking about four people on the design team and then Melanie and I going through napkins, stemware, utensils, oh. plates, chargers, um, menus, uh, table. Uh, it's just, 
the, the tablecloths are driving me crazy. At what point did your the eyes couches. glaze over? No, you know, you know the thing that got me, Carlin? The pillowcases on the couches that were setting up in the lounge area of the reception. We spent a solid 30 minutes just deciding what the pillowcases should look like on the couches. The pillowcases on the couches and you say in the we reception. spent it deciding, did you spend it deciding or did melanie well, spend well, it well carlin here's the tricky part right because you you know i could I, I i i don't know that i could i don't know that i could care less let me speak for you but here, well, let here. me say let me say this you have to be engaged if you're yes. not engaged you're gonna get in trouble so that meant i had to ask questions and that's the part that really got me the most important part of marriage pretending that you care about things that you don't Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.